welcome to another episode of Iconic Freedom, the formula. We are setting the standard for accountability and responsibility. Let each care for self and all will be cared for. So on today's podcast, what I want to do is I want to continue with the wisdom of Milton Friedman. Um, Gosh, there is so much out there, uh, you know, on YouTube and, you know, free to choose and a variety of other resources um, to kind of pour through and to listen to. What I thought was kind of uh, fascinating to me over the week while I was kind of researching some of it was how prescient a lot of what he had to say. And my thought becomes, you know, how much this was relevant before he said it, how much it was relevant when he said it, and then all of these decades later, it is still a part of what is going on. Um, One of my friends said that, you know, things move at such a glacial pace when we're trying to change things. And I recall the one of the things that I used to say on social media was that if government could have solved anything by now, it would have. And the fact is, is that it cannot. But it is interesting to me that, you know, people continue to go down this road where they're just always wanting to use government. They always want to force the use of government, that somehow government is your parent, government is your daddy and your mommy and knows how to take care of you, and so you should turn over everything to them. And that's just not the reality. The reality is that life is a path of one. It is up to you. No one is going to save you. No one's coming to save you from your choices. I see these videos all the time of Turning Point USA where these students are pushing back and, you know, they're making these mythological, pathological, if you will, uh, statements of, you know, situations that they're trying to throw at the moderators that, you know, clearly they're not even pushing back at when they're sitting there going, you know, well... You know, what about the people that that can't afford to do this and, you know, they can't, their family and and they can't, you know, they don't want to, they can't have access to an abortion any longer and all this other garbage. And no one is actually saying to them, "Um, I'm, I'm sorry, you'll excuse me, to quote Milton Friedman, you'll excuse me if I ask. Um, why are you having children if you are not financially capable with the ability to do so? Uh, Why are you having sex if you are not prepared to have a child? The reality is, is that all forms of contraception are not necessarily effective. And if you're having sex with somebody, uh, first of all, hopefully you know them well enough that you would want to engage in such a long-term relationship and you would want to have children with them. Uh, But if you don't, well, then that's a whole other issue that you need to deal with in terms of accountability and responsibility of your body. And then the other piece is that, well, if you're doing that, hopefully you're coming up with various methods, um, more than one approach to avoiding having, you know, having the whole situation of getting pregnant and having to go down that road. So, I mean, yeah, it's a big decision. You should not be using it lightly. Although I know that our society has gone down in that direction. And I am not judging people for the choices that they've made in that way. 
But as we continue to evolve as a society, do we not self-evaluate and self-correct? Certainly people, as they get older, do that, don't they? Sometimes they don't. That's understood as well. But my point continues that you are responsible for your choices. You know, one method that is 100% foolproof of ever having to deal with having an abortion is to not have sex. But I thought that was obvious. Are not without some thought and reason behind them. In my opinion, a society that aims for equality before liberty will end up with neither equality nor liberty. And a society that aims first for liberty will not end up with equality, but it will end up with a closer approach to equality than any other kind of system that has ever been developed. Now that conclusion is based both on evidence from history, across history, and also, I believe, on reasoning which if you try to follow through the implications of aiming first at equality, will become clear to you. You can only aim at equality by giving some people the right to take things from others. And what ultimately happens when you aim at equality is that A and B decide what C shall do for D. <laughs> Except that they take a little bit of a commission off on the way. Such a great moment. and. One of the things that he's obviously saying in this particular clip is that the idea of equality and and the piece that I think people I think people seem to miss uh, time and again from my own observations of just life in general is there is no equality. You know, people are born and they have the opportunity, the equality of opportunity is a beautiful way of approaching life for everyone to give everyone equal opportunity is what promotes individual liberty. The opportunity that you are given and to take responsibility and accountability for your choices is the opportunity to make a life for yourself. I said that at the end of last week's podcast. That's where your equality comes in, that you have the opportunity to train or to educate yourself to such a degree that when you go to apply for a particular job, you are doing your best in order to get that job. Now, does that mean that just because you do all those things, you're going to get that job? No. Because there are other factors involved in the decision-making process. But it is interesting, though, how often people will go to great lengths to get education and then feel entitled to the idea that they should be getting whatever position it is that they have applied for. It's a very interesting thing going on with a generation right now where they don't even want to work. They feel like they should be paid uh, an enormous amount of money, a very high sum of money for very little work. They don't even want to come into the office. Some people are not even fielding the opportunity or the option of a job if it doesn't involve being able to work remote. 
Now, this could be an evolution of work itself. That's fine. I, I don't care either way. It's fine. There are some jobs where I'm sorry you're going to have to be there because you've got to be there in person. But still in all, the idea that you just got out of high school, you just got out of college, and you're under the impression that you have so much to offer to a particular job that they're supposed to pay you on the high end of that job. Um, not to disclose too much about my own life, but I really didn't start to make money in my world and be able to live a life and make a life for myself until I was in my 40s. And it took a lot of education and job seeking and trying to find the things that fit well for me and being able to parlay my own skills and talents and education holistically into a job. So this idea of equality, I find very fascinating. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, come back to this uh, terminology at some point during this process to talk about it because there is no equality. Nobody is born the same. I mean, that's just genetics, right? That's just, you know, the way it is. Nobody is born the same. As such, then what is it that brings us all the same, in a sense, equality? And that is opportunity. And that's what everybody has the ability to do. And try to do good by using force. The bad moral value of force triumphs over good intentions. And you realize this is highly relevant to what I am saying, because the essential notion of a capitalist society, which I'll come back to, is voluntary cooperation, voluntary exchange. The essential notion of a socialist society is fundamentally force. If the government is the master, if society is to be run from the center, what are you, what are you doing? You ultimately have to order people what to do. What is your ultimate sanction? Go back a ways. Take it on a milder level. Whenever you try to do good with somebody else's money, you are committed to using force. How can you do good with somebody else's money unless you first take it away from them? The only way you can take it away from them is by the threat of force you have. I like the direct way that he addresses this particular issue and really of government and the whole idea of at the barrel of a gun uh, to your head is how they take money from you in order to give it to others and all off of the backs of everyone, you, me, everyone, your neighbors, your family, any person that you think is having a difficult time financially off the backs of them as well to give to other people. And the thing that is so interesting about this is that when a person has an investment in something when they are the ones who have paid for something. And, and think about this in your own life is when you pay for something, you immediately have a sense of entitlement. <laughs> you have immediately have a sense of expectation. I would venture to guess that there are very few people in this world that when they pay for something that they don't automatically think, I'm entitled to whatever X, Y, and Z is that I just paid for, and my expectation is that it's going to come out to be perfect the way I want it. Now, 
what I want to say about that is that's kind of a silly approach to life because that's just not true. If I go into a situation, here's where accountability and responsibility get passed through this prism of understanding this principle that Friedman's talking about. If I'm a person that goes in to pay for something, I make the intention, here are my dollars for whatever that good and service is going to be. I know that I'm taking a risk. It is a risk. I know that that is not an easy thing for some people to hear in life, but everything you're doing is a risk. You have no guarantees of anything. Nobody's going to save you from your choices. You're not entitled to anything. You think you're entitled because you paid your money. I paid money, good money for that. Well, how many times have you gone to the movies and you've seen a really horrible movie and you've either walked out in the middle of it or you leave and you joke with your friends and say, well, there's two hours, I'll never get back. That's the reality of the risk. I took the risk, I bought the ticket, and I wait to see how the outcome is. But I'm still accountable for the outcome. If I enjoyed it or if I didn't enjoy it, those are all my preferences, my tastes, how I like things, maybe what mood I'm in. There's all kinds of factors that go into this. But it is interesting if you're an individual that feels like you have an entitlement, that you have an expectation when you pay for something. Well, what's interesting is think about the people that have to, that are forced to give their dollars, their tax dollars to government. Should we be expecting something? Should we have an expectation? Well, you know, if you're giving your dollars to the person that you're employing, you might have an expectation that they're going to do a great job. And you hope that they will do a good job and you will monitor them to see that they do. But when they don't, what is your option? If you're an employer, what is your option? You get to fire them. That same rule applies politically. Unfortunately, There are situations that are even currently happening in this country that make it almost virtually impossible to get rid of some of the people that need to go. That there needs to be a cleansing of your Congress, your Senate, and your presidency on a regular basis. Supposedly, it's supposed to be through voting. Term limits, I think, are something that people have been talking a lot about lately that I think is going to have its day sooner or later here because people are realizing that some of these folks, Feinstein was one of them. I remember when she was running for office way back in the 70s, all over television. She gets in to, you know, Congress and the Senate, and then she, you know, just, you know, opens up shop and she's there for the rest of her life. Not to mention all the corruption and all the other garbage that goes along with it. But if you have term limits, then you know that every two, four, six years, it's all going to get refreshed. And people are going to have to go back home and they're going to have to make a life for themselves. They did what they could for service. People have lost lost the idea of what going to Congress and the Senate and running for office has all been all about. And a lot of that has been about serving your country, serving your nation. It's another way to do it. You can do it through the military. You can do it through lots of different venues. And one of those is through government. But it's become this corrupt 
cancerous disease that has metastasized over the decades, and I would say centuries now, where it is completely out of control. And the only way that that's going to change is when people are becoming accountable and responsible. And when we, uh, the people, we as citizens, hold these people accountable. In the United States, and we still have so many impoverished people who try to get up into the world. Why is it we have this lack of money where people who can't support themselves decently and get a decent job, where all these big men are up on top making oodles and oodles of money, they don't need it. They can only eat that much, eat in a sleep in a bed. And what do you suppose they do it? If they don't eat it and don't, sli uh, don't use it, what do you suppose they, they do They hoard it. it. They and what do you mean they hoard it? You mean it? they put it under their pillows? That's right. No. They, they keep investing it. Investing it in That's what? That's right. Yeah. What are they invested in? Well, in oil and everything where, I mean, all these other people who are What are they invested in? Don't get off the subject. No. What are they invested in? Well, they invested in a lot of uh, different things that the little people need. Well, do they invest it in factories? Yes. Does some of that money end up in machines? Yes. Do those factories and machines provide ordinary working people with jobs or not? What do you suppose the productivity of this country would be and of the, uh, the wage rate would be if the total amount of capital in this country today was what it was 100 years ago? Where do you suppose the improvements in productivity come from except from the, re the investment by people of their savings? But let me go to your fundamental question. First place, nirvana is not for this world. There is no paradise. Of course we've got a lot of people who are poorly off but if you look at it over time, if you get a sense of proportion, the well-being of the ordinary people has been the main thing that has been improved by economic progress and economic growth and development. And residual, most residual hard cases of poverty today are the result, again, of a failure of government. Why do we have a teenage, black teenage unemployment rate in 30 to 40 percent? because of two failures of government. One, a failure to provide decent schooling, which is a governmental responsibility. Has been, whether it should be or not, it has been. And second, because of a minimum wage rate, which prevents those kids who haven't had decent schooling from getting jobs at low pay at which they can earn the skills on the jobs that would enable them to rise to higher pay. If you look at the sources of poverty, you will find a very most of them are derived from that, what I For me, one of the things that I really enjoy about that particular clip is that he was willing to walk back the statements that that particular individual was making. And I think so often when people are presenting problems and situations and issues, and especially people with a lot of hypotheticals, which I think are always fascinating, is that they never walk back the contribution that they have made to the demise or the suffering of their own life. I find it absolutely fascinating that, and, and maybe nobody has ever pointed it out to them. And that's not really a, I mean, it's not a judgment, but I mean, I've lived it myself where nobody has pointed certain things out to me. And boy, I've been grateful for the people that have, that they've extended their education or their observation and their wisdom, much in the same way that Milton is sharing his wisdom with us.
And that is going to do it for another podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, listen, share this with your friends and family. You never know how it might help them along their own journey. Uh, If you would, hit that like button. I would be grateful. And if you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, there are links down below. Feel free to do so. And if you've got a topic you want me to cover, I'd be happy to do it. Have a great week, and I will see you here next time.